everybody here this morning a merry, merry, merry Christmas. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord on the day that we celebrate as Jesus' birthday. Uh, there's a couple things I want to say before we get into the message. And the first one is, I'm told that, uh, now I remember the last time that this happened because we had the, the, uh, the, the same scenario in the church. I'm told that uh, I don't remember the number of years uh, that it is, but this only happens uh, every few years, every number of years that Christmas is actually on a Sunday. And I remember the last time that it was uh, that way would have been maybe <clears throat> in 2008, 2009, something like that. And uh, we, were, we were there uh, in service together. The second thing is this is our 24th Christmas that we're celebrating as pastors of faith builders uh, in DeSoto, Kansas. And many of you, of course, uh, have been with us all of those years, and so we're very grateful, very thankful for all that God's doing in our midst. I remember the first uh, Christmas that we were there, of course, we had just started pastoring the church. We became pastors in December of 1998. And uh, at that time, Pastor Michelle and I were really learning a lot about the, uh, the financial concepts in the Word of God, and the Lord was doing some wonderful things, bringing us out. Uh, but, you know, we were still in a position where we were learning, and uh, we, had, uh, we had purchased, uh, you know, gifts, presents for our children, and quite frankly, we hadn't purchased anything for each other uh, because uh, we were focused on the children. And uh, when we started pastoring the church there, now remember, we started pastoring in December of 98. And uh, we only became the pastors like maybe two weeks before Christmas. And so uh, it was, it was quite, quite a blessing because uh, the church, the, 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 the church board uh, gave my wife a $75 JCPenney gift card and gave me a $75 JCPenney gift card for Christmas. And so I always say that enabled us to be able to buy each other something for uh, Christmas. I remember what I bought my wife. I don't know. I don't remember what she bought me. Uh, probably not because it wasn't significant. I just don't remember. But the point that I'm making is look what the Lord has done. Amen. Yeah. All these years ago uh, that we started doing what God wants us to do. And now here we are. Uh, uh, celebrating 24 years uh, of ministry, going to be begin celebrating 25 in January. Uh, we uh, have a television program. We have uh, uh, two churches in two different cities. Uh, the Lord is good. And I'm so grateful that you've chosen to come and celebrate this day with us. We want to welcome all of our newcomers. We want to welcome everyone that is present. Let's get into the Word of God today, Matthew chapter 2, and I want to share with you some things. We've been, we've been dealing with this series all through December, what Christmas really means, and we come to the, 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 the end of the series today in talking about the kingship of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 2, uh, verse 1 and 2, it says, now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, 
in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that born king of the Jews? For we've seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. So we see here from the word of God, these are wise men from the east, all right, or learned men from the eastern regions, the land of the sun's rising, uh, according to the Weast Bible. And these men were magi or magians. Uh, this was the name used in older Persian or Babylonian languages uh, for wise men or priests. These, they, 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 they may have been descendants uh, of, of Daniel. They may, have been, they may have known of his prophecies concerning the coming king. But nonetheless, they may have been familiar with the prophecy concerning the star that would rise out of Jacob. In the book of Numbers, chapter 24, Numbers, chapter 24, and verse 15, this is Balaam, uh, the prophet that Balak had hired to curse Israel. He begins to prophesy. And he says, and he took up his parable and said, Balaam, the son of Baor, had said, and the man whose eyes are open had said, he had said, which heard the words of God and knew the knowledge of the Most High, which saw the vision of the Almighty, falling into a trance, but having his eyes open. I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not near. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel and shall smite the corners of Moab and destroy all the children of Sheth. So this was this prophecy concerning the king that was coming. And notice it mentions a star out of Jacob. They may have been familiar with this prophecy concerning the star that would rise out of Jacob. But the Bible doesn't call these wise men kings. I know that we have a song, the, the, We Three Kings from Orient Are, and we've traveled afar and these different things. It doesn't call them kings. It, it doesn't say exactly how many of them that there were. Uh, but the thing that we do see is the wise men did not ask if a king had been born. They had no doubt about that. They asked where he had been born, all right? It, it says it there in Matthew chapter 2, they came and they asked where the king of the Jews had been born. Now, if we go back over to Matthew chapter 2, we begin to see some things here. Now, I, I will say, if, you know, if you want to call them kings, that's, that's up to you. I'm just saying what I'm trying to explain is that what we do see is that they're asking about a king. They're asking about the king of the Jews. Matthew chapter 2 and verse 3, it says, When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. So after there was hearing that there was a baby born king of the Jews, the Weiss Bible says Herod was stirred up and irritated. All right? Stirred up and irritated. And the scripture says it not only stirred up Herod, 
it stirred up the people as well. All right, all of these these men coming in, and and tradition says uh, 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 there's there's been vast studies done, and and it was like an army had come into Jerusalem with these Magians, and the whole city was stirred up. Well, they were disturbed because there might be a rival for the throne. All right, where is he that is born king of the Jews? But they were worried even more about Herod's reaction. All right, what he might do. Uh, in 7 BC, he murdered his own sons, all right, because they were a, a threat to the throne. He murdered his own sons. Their name was uh, Aristobulus and Alexander, along with 300 of their attendants. He's a very vicious man. In 4 BC, shortly before his own death, he executed another son of his, Antipater, all right? So the, the point is, is that they're worked up because there might be a rival to the throne and they're disturbed because of what Herod might do, all right? Well, this applies to us as well. We shouldn't be surprised about the tension Christmas creates, all right? The, the, the tension that Christmas creates. And, and here's why. Herod was ready to receive the wise men until he found out they were looking for the new king of the Jews. Then he became troubled. Understand that the spirit of the world is going to become troubled at this time of the year. All right? Why? Because we're pursuing our king. We're pursuing our desire to worship him. For you and I, Christmas is not about gifts as much as it is the gift. All right? We recognize readily that Christ was probably not born on December 25th. But yet, he was the greatest gift the world has ever known. And our desire is to worship our king and to pursue him. The pathway to Bethlehem may be doubted by the world, but it's still the pathway to hope and salvation to everybody that will believe. All right? It's still the pathway to eternal life. And that's why you've seen over the years that people want to, people want to change the meaning of Christmas. And I'm not being political, but they want to change the meaning of Christmas. Well, Christmas offends me. Don't say Merry Christmas to me because it offends me. No, Merry Christmas doesn't offend them. What offends them is what's behind Merry Christmas, the Christ, Jesus, all right? That's, that's what offends them. And so they say, well, we're going to say happy holidays. Uh, we're going to say whatever, you know, they want to say, have a wonderful festive season, have a wonderful season of giving. Well, but here's the issue. What it all boils down to is for us as believers, this season represents the worship of Christ. All right? And, and, and even though that pathway to Bethlehem may be doubted by the world, it's still the pathway to salvation. It's still the pathway to victory to everybody that will believe. Oh, hallelujah. And there in Matthew chapter 2, verse 9, and this is, of course, we're skipping some of this. This is after Herod had consulted with his 
uh, chief priests and scribes and asked them, where will the child be born? And they said, in Bethlehem of Judea. And he went to the wise men in verse 7 and asked them when that star had appeared. He diligently inquired. In other words, he pressed them for the information. When did that star appear? And they told him, and he sent them to Bethlehem. And remember, he said, go and then bring me word that I may come and worship him. Well, obviously, that's not what he wanted. All right? But here's what I want you to focus on. Verse 9. When they, the wise men, had heard the king, they departed, and the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. Now, remember, they know the city, but they don't know where in the city. And even though Bethlehem was not considered a large place, the, the issue is if you've got 200 children of this age, you've got 200 options. And notice the star that they had followed and seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over the house where the young child was. Now, Scripture doesn't says that, say the house, but that's what we understand. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they'd opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. Now notice the star of the king. This is a king with his own star. The star of the king went before them and stood over the house where the king was. Very often, when we minister on this passage, when you hear it ministered on, what the focus is on is on the gifts that they brought. And, and in my mind, we overlook the most notable fact in this story. All right, You know, the, the gifts that they brought him were far more vast and far more grand and, and far more opulent than what, you know, we, we see. I don't care what Christmas card you see, if it has the three wise men on them, we call them the three wise men. If it has the wise men on them, they're, 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 two of them are carrying a little chest and one of them's carrying like an urn. All right, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Well, those were among the gifts they brought him. They were not the only gifts that they brought him. Notice what it says. It says, when they had opened their treasures, they presented him gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They opened their treasures, treasures. All right? Now, I'm not focusing on that for any other reason than to say, so what happens is because religion wants to downplay what was brought to Jesus they make it small that it could fit in two little cigar boxes and a little urn, when in reality that wasn't the case. In reality, they had a whole pack train full of gifts. They had a whole army to protect what they had because they were going to give gifts to a king. Amen. Now notice, we overlook the most notable fact in this story. When these wise men saw Jesus... It says, and having fell down. All right? The Weiss Bible says, 
having fallen down, they prostrated themselves in homage before him. See, this is not a casual issue. This is not someone just bowing out of reverence or bowing out of respect. It, it wasn't just a pageant-like formal moment. Oh, this is who we consider to be the king, so we're going to bow, kiss his hand, whatever, it, what, whatever the case may be. It wasn't a casual issue. The verbiage here is that when these three, however many there was, when these men walked into the house, they were overwhelmed. They fell down in homage before him. They were overwhelmed. Why? They had encountered a presence they did not expect. They had encountered the presence of the king of kings. Amen. He was truly the king that they were looking for. See, we can focus so much on the gifts they brought and miss the impact that he had on their lives. Hallelujah. Do, do, do you see that? This is so important. Because if I, if I miss the impact of what I'm celebrating, you know, I mean, if you think about this, when we give gifts, we give gifts because we love each other. Well, God so loved the world, he gave the first gift. He gave the best gift. Right? I, I don't want to miss, I don't, wanna, I don't want to, to, under, to underemphasize that in the days that we're living in. All right? It, it was the ultimate gift that would result in the ultimate sacrifice. And I want to keep that at the forefront of my mind. I'm celebrating. I'm giving to my family. I'm giving to my wife. I'm giving to my children. I'm giving to my friends because I am imitating the greatest giver of all. Hallelujah. I don't want to, I don't want to misunderstand that, that I am celebrating the birth of a king. Not just a baby, not just, not just a holy man, a king, the king. Oh, hallelujah. So when they went into that room, that house, they encountered a presence they weren't expecting. And when it says they fell down and they worshipped him, they fell down and they worshipped him. That word worship, it, it means to couch or to kiss the hand or, right? It, it means a very reverent. They came into that house and were uh, uh, impacted by the presence of God. And that's why in all that we do with all of our decorations and all, both of our churches have been decorated so wonderfully and so beautifully. And it's, it's, it's wonderful. It's representative of the season. But we have to understand why it's so festive and why it's so celebratory and why it is so wonderful and magnificent. And we call it the most wonderful time of the year. Why is it called the most wonderful time of the year? Because the one born was called wonderful. And it's the most wonderful time of the year. Oh, hallelujah. Do you see that? And, 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 and that's why it's important. That we understand it's okay to enjoy it. And I tell our, our little daughter, Liliana, it's okay to make believe. You know, because she'll talk about Santa Claus. And we've made that very clear uh, very early that, that, you know, there's no real man called Santa Claus. And we made that very plain. 
But we let her know it's, it's okay to, to, to make believe. It's okay to, to talk about that, to watch movies with that. But darling, we want you to remember that the reason for the season is the Son of God came into the earth and became flesh and became the King of Kings and was born in a manger. Hallelujah. In Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1, we, we see something concerning this kingship. Luke chapter 1, verse 30, the angel spoke to Mary, and the angel said to her, Do not fear, Mary, for you found favor with God. And behold, you shall conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus, or Savior. He shall be great, and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. See, from the time Jesus was conceived, a stream of promise began to flow. All right? He's going to be great. I'm going to give him the throne of his father David. He's going to reign over Jacob, and of his kingdom there will be no end. See, with the birth of our king, a new government was coming to earth. When our king was born, a new government was coming to earth. And a new government was coming to the souls of men. Now, always remember, the issue was not political. It was spiritual. Jesus had an earthly, fleshly right to the throne. He was literally and truly the son of David. All right? He was a human man that was, that was conceived in the womb of a human woman named Mary. And we understand that. When you read Matthew chapter 1, you see Jesus' earthly lineage. And Joseph, the Bible says, was of the house and of the lineage of David. And even though Joseph was not Jesus' physical earthly father in the sense that he did not produce him, he did not father him uh, uh, in a natural sense, he was Jesus' legal father. And his being his legal father, Jesus became a legal right to the throne. Jesus became a legal right to the throne of David. He was not just the son of David and, a, and an heir to the throne of David in symbol only and just in Bible verbiage. It was in reality that when they hung over his head on the cross the king of the Jews, they wrote over his head what he was. But it was not political for Jesus. It was spiritual for Jesus. The kingdom of God was coming to dwell among men. It was coming to dwell within men, an unshakable kingdom that knows no end. Oh, hallelujah. In John chapter 18 and verse 36. Notice what Jesus said. In John 18, 36, he says, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom 
not from here. So the king said his kingdom was not of this world. Yet he is a king, and a king like no other. Yet he said, my kingdom is not of this world. 1 Timothy 1 and verse 17. The Holy Spirit says something through the Apostle Paul. And it says, notice in 1 Timothy 1, 17. Now under the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. We sing that song. To the king immortal, eternal, invisible, the only God, be all honor and glory forever and ever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do, 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 do you see? The Woosh Bible says, Now to the king of the ages, the incorruptible, invisible, unique God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. In these verses, we see the endless, unchanging durability of his rule declared. It is, it is endless. It is unchanging. It is durable forever and ever. All glory to him as what? The king, eternal. He is eternally the king. He is immortally the king. He is the king forever. And the glory goes to him forever. Hallelujah. In Isaiah 32 and verse 1, the Bible has a lot to say about his kingship. Isaiah 32 and 1, it says, Behold, a king shall reign in righteousness, and princes shall rule in judgment. Our king reigns in righteousness. I need you to see this. That means he's completely just. 100% just. Uh, he's even-handed. He is uh, consistent. He's compassionate. He's considerate of us. And he is life-releasing. All right? When, when we come to our king, he reigns in righteousness. That's why the Bible says, if any man come to me, I will in no wise cast him out. I will not deny him. I will not, I will not refuse to help him because he is righteous. He reigns in righteousness. He's completely just. The book of Revelation says his judgments are true and just. Hallelujah. He's even-handed. He's considerate. He's life-releasing. That's our king. In Hebrews 7, In Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 2, it says con concerning Melchizedek, king of Salem, it says, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness, and after that king of Salem, which is king of peace. So our king, 
Jesus was typified in Melchizedek, king of peace. All right? Some say that, uh, uh, I've heard people say Melchizedek was Jesus. I don't believe that. He's a type of Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus was made forever a priest after the order of Melchizedek. But nonetheless, the, the point is, is that this was fulfilled when he rose to his first throne. All right, the cross. And secured our peace. Notice in Hebrews chapter 2. Or uh, Ephesians chapter 2. Not Hebrews, Ephesians. And verse 14. Speaking of Jesus, it says, For he is our peace, who hath made both one, broken down the middle wall of partition between us, uh, between Jew and Greek, all right, Jew and Gentile, uh, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments, contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereof, thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off and to them that were not. Well, peace where? Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. He came and he preached peace. He is our peace. All right? He is our, we could say, prince of peace. He is our king of peace. And notice what he came and preached. Peace. Peace between Jew and Gentile. Peace between man and God. Right? He came and preached that peace. In Revelation 15.3. We're talking about his kingship. Revelation 15 and 3. Talking about the redeemed. It says, They sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, thou King of saints. So notice, he's the King of the saints. He's the King of the saints. This is so important because what we have is not a baby in the manger. What we have is the king of saints. Amen. He's our king. All right? We sing the song, Jesus, you are my king. All right? Well, G and, and very often what that is boiled down to in many circles is, yes, if he's our king, then we do what he demands. I understand what people are saying, but here's the thing. If he is our king, he has the right to decree into our life those things that we need, those things that we have need of, and we have a right to receive them because our king has decreed them. Amen. Everything he decreed belongs to me by virtue of him being my king. If he's my king and he said, come unto me all ye that labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. My king will give me rest. If he says, my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, 
my king will supply all of my need according to his riches and glory. See, the whole conflict between the world is you have the prince and the power of the air that's trying to, that's trying to uh, uh, come against the king of the saints. That, that's the fight. And it's not a fight between them in the sense that Jesus is fighting the devil. Jesus has defeated the devil and given us that authority. Amen. Our king defeated the enemy and then gave us the authority to keep him defeated. Glory to God. In Revelation 19.6, it says, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and the voice of many waters, and the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Then in verse 16, and he has on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, notice, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So notice, he is the King of Kings. He is forever praised as our saving King. Forever praised as our saving king. The king that was born in a manger. In, in that manger in Bethlehem, he was the king. He was the king. Shepherds came. Shepherds worshipped him. Shepherds honored him. You know, that's very, very often when this story is told, it's those things are made light of. Like, well, it was just a bunch of humble shepherds worshiping a baby in a manger as their king. The presence of God was there so strong. So he was the king born in a manger, the king worshiped by shepherds. He was the king who had his own star that the wise men followed. The king that the wise men fell on their face in worship to. He was that king. And this king is praised as our saving king. And as history's ultimate ruler. And here's the thing. One day his return for the church will occur. And he will come back as our king to gather unto himself his own those that are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and the Bible says in the book of Philippians that at that day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father that day is imminent that for the return of the church, that is the most glorious day. That is the most looked forward to day. That is the most wonderful day that we can uh, uh, imagine when our king returns. But there's a reason 
that he came to earth in the first place. And that was, the, the Bible says, to give his life a ransom for many. You know, I hear people make a statement like this a lot. They say, there's no sin that God will not forgive. Except, now here, here I'm putting the except in there. Except the sin of not receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you don't receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, there's nothing that can be done about any sin. The ultimate sin is not receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And when Jesus returns the second time to the earth, and this may seem elementary and clicheic, but he's not returning as a baby. He's not returning as a prophet. He's not returning as a good man. He's returning as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And the Bible says that he will come in that day and he will rule the nations. Because he is the king. And his return is imminent. The days are shorter now than they've ever been. Time, as we know it, is speeding up. Because the days are short before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, whether you're watching this online, whether you're in the room, I want you right now just to bow your heads with me. I want you to bow your heads with me. And I'm going to ask uh, our associate ministers to come to the altar at this time. As they're making their way to the altar, I want you to continue with your head bowed, your eyes closed, no one looking around. For whatever reason that you came to church today, maybe you came to church today just because it's Christmas. Maybe you came to church because a loved one invited you. A brother, a sister, a mother, father, loved one. But ever the reason that you're in church today, God knew you were going to be here. And he had me minister what he's had me to minister to you. So that you could see that baby that was born in the manger was a life-giving king. And he desires to impart that life into your spirit and into your life this morning. But he cannot do that if you won't accept it and you won't receive it. And this is for those that are here, those that are watching online, those that will watch later. If you were to say, in all honesty of heart, is Jesus my Lord? Is he my king? Am I serving him? Am I living for him the way that I should? If you were to ask that question to yourself honestly, with your head bowed, your eyes closed, what would the answer be? For many, the answer would be yes. For others, the answer would be as much as I can. For, yet for others, it would be no, I'm not. 
Today is the day that that can change. You can receive the greatest gift the world has ever known. The greatest gift. The ultimate gift. And it's so simple. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed. If that's you today, you say, Pastor Still, I'm not certain of where I stand with God. I, I don't know what would happen if, if, if I left into eternity today. I don't believe that I'm right with Him. I don't believe that I would spend the rest of my days with Him. If that's you, put your hand in the air. If you're watching online and that's you, just admit it. Sitting right there wherever you're sitting and just say, that's me. I need to make a change. If that's you, get your, get your hand in the air. The associate ministers are watching. If you've raised your hand, God bless you. Thank you. You can put your hand down. The second person that I want to talk to today is this. You're not where you need to be with God in that you're not on fire for Him. Your life is sort of lukewarm. And, you know, if you died today, you would probably go to heaven. But your life is not what it should be because you're not living the fullness of it. Because Jesus is not residing as your Lord and your King. And you can change that today. If that's you today, you say, Pastor Still, that's me. I want to recommit at the end of 2022. I want to recommit to the things of God in my life. If that's you, raise your hand today. If that's you online, just admit it. That's me. I need to recommit. Just raise your hand. God bless you. God bless you. And you know, the thing is, if nobody raised their hands, that's a wonderful thing. Because it means you're doing what you know you should do. If you raised your hand, if there are any outstretched hands, and obviously I can't see you through the camera, but if there were any outstretched hands, uplifted hands, would you just make your way to the front right now? Make your way to the front, and these ministers are going to minister with you. If you need prayer for anything, make your way to the front, and the ministers will minister to you. And I want to pray a prayer with you today. And those watching online, I want you to pray it with me as well. This is how simple it is. I want you to simply say this with me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I believe that you sent Jesus as the greatest gift of all and as a sacrifice for my sin. And today, I choose to believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And as I do, I receive his lordship and his reign and rule in my life. And I receive you into my heart and I give you my life in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. If you said that prayer with me, if, if, if you prayed it in the congregation there in DeSoto, I believe you're born again. The Bible says that you're born again. If you prayed that prayer with us online, I believe that you were born again. I believe that Jesus is now your Lord and Savior. 
Your job now is to get in church and get under the Word of God, live and grow in the things of God. But nonetheless, you've received the greatest gift that the world has ever known into your life and into your heart. And your life will never, never, never be the same in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. God is so good to us. Amen. I want to... I sense a really strong anointing here at this moment. And that, uh, that anointing is to set at liberty any who are bound. Any who are bound. If, if you're there in the congregation watching online, if there are things that you've been trying to shake loose from, you've been trying to shake them off your life, and they don't seem to be going. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm just simply going to ask you to receive what I'm going to pray over you right now in the name of Jesus. Father, in Jesus' name, I speak freedom to every person under the sound of my voice. Every person that's been dealing, Father, with those circumstances that they can't seem to shake. Father, whether it's an addiction, whether it's a... a, a a issue with personality. Father, they feel less than. They feel like uh, they don't matter. We rebuke that in the name of Jesus. And in this season, Lord, that we celebrate the giving of Christ, Lord, we give freedom. And we believe that those men and women that need that and are desirous of it will walk free this Christmas morning and they'll be able to say Christmas morning 2022 in DeSoto, Kansas or watching the DeSoto, Kansas service I was set free by the power of God and Father we thank you for it in the name of Jesus Amen and Amen we are so glad that you chose to join us on Christmas morning. You could have been doing anything else. You could have went anywhere else, and you chose to come and be a part of what God is doing. And uh, Pastor Michelle and I love you all so much. Uh, anyone that we don't know, we hope to get to know you. You'll be seeing us very soon in person. And uh, we love you so much and thank the Lord for you so much in the name of Jesus. Amen. I know usually we say our vision, but let's just stand to our feet today. And from my heart to yours, from my wife to you, from our family to your family, we just want to tell you to have a Merry Christmas, and God bless you. We'll see you soon. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We have communion this morning. Amen. And this is going to be a wonderful time because I get to do it with my wife. Amen. Praise the Lord. You may take your seats at this time. Hallelujah. Gentlemen, if you want to start handing out the uh, elements, that would be most helpful. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah.
This, this isn't something believers made up over the years as a memorial to God, even though it is, but it was created as a memorial from God to us for what he did. He said in Matthew and Mark and Luke that he said, do this in remembrance in 1 Corinthians, do this in remembrance of me. So it was our Lord that implemented communion for our benefit to continually put it in our remembrance of everything that he has done. I mean, he is our king of kings and lord of lords. He was the sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice for us that we may obtain redemption, not just atonement, but redemption of sin and health in our body. And see, we got to receive this by faith. And then knowing that, knowing that we're people and we need continual reminders of things, he did it so that we would not only, like Brother Dave was saying, we have the best gift in Jesus. He gave us his best gift. But then he gave us a way for us to remember his gift and to remember everything that he's done for us and to remember everything that it contains because there's so much that it contains. There's amazing, amazing things um, that it has that sometimes we forget. And so when we consistently do it, then we are remembering him and keeping ourselves fresh for what those benefits are that he has. Throughout the whole Bible, you see uh, God in his words saying, put me in remembrance. Or remember, it is the Lord your God who gives you power to get wealth. And even in Ecclesiastes, I believe it is, it says, remember the, the, the Lord of your youth as well. And so these are things that we must put into, but there's a level of honor in that remembrance that we bring. We just don't remember as like, oh, that was nice. Remember that, you know, like nostalgia, you know, or is that the right word? Nostalgia. <laughs> it's not nostalgia because it's eternal. This is an eternal thing. And it's, it's interesting to see because what we receive is by faith, too. Communion should be received by faith. I mean, do you believe he was born? Did you see it? No. So we receive that by faith just as much as communion is received by faith. His birth, his death, and the benefits of his death. The benefits of his birth. It all ties in. There's a trifecta. His birth, his death, and his resurrection. They're all equally important to us as believers now. And we all still receive everything he did by faith. And so we remember it's not from from us to him it's from him to us in remembrance of what he did for us amen and so in first corinthians chapter 11 verse 24 verse 25 it says and when he had given thanks he broke it and said take eat this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me after the same manner also he took the cup which he had supped saying this cup is the new testament my blood this do you as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And I want to point something out. Verse 26, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup. So there's no limit. You can do it as many times as you want. We, we know some people who are doing that. They're doing it every day. But they're not, they're not doing it out of a religious obligation. They're doing it out of honor and recognizing that every day. He has provided salvation and healing and redemption. As long as your heart is connected to it. 
Like we take it as a congregation monthly, but you can take it whenever you want to in your house. You don't always have to have little grape juice, little wafers. I've taken it with crackers and Dr. Pepper before. It's whatever you're doing, you're not, I really have. But it's the mindset, why are you doing it? You're doing it because you're remembering what he did for you. And so the verse continues, it says, you do show the Lord's death until he comes. So this is important to understand that it's proclaiming the fact of, is how that breaks down. The fact of his death until his return means everything that he has provided in his body and his blood continues here and now, even up into the return of him when he comes back for his church. So it's not something that we just recognize of what he did. Yes, but it's still ongoing. That it continues. That's why we observe this in remembrance because it's still alive. It's still a part of our life today that we remember because it's his salvation. His redemption that he's provided for us through his blood. Amen. Praise the Lord. And another part of the verses when we looked it up, we saw proclaiming the fact of or announcing or you're proclaiming symbolically. So obviously it's not something where there's real blood or real body, but it's. Praise the the symbol of doing it. I wear a wedding, wedding ring. Does this make me any more or less married? No, but it's a symbol. Yeah. So that's what this is. It's a symbol of what he did for us. Amen. And then both parts of communion are important. There are two parts to a whole. If you only recognize one part, then you're only going to get the benefits that that one part has. For example, some people are really, really quick to accept the blood, which we should be. There's a lot that's in there, but not to accept what he did in his body, sometimes because they haven't learned or they haven't been taught but in isaiah 53 4 and 5 it says surely he has borne our griefs the word griefs means sicknesses maladies which also includes anxiety or calamity um, and i know brother dave was talking about he gave us he gave us his best gift and part of that was he continually preached about peace so that encompasses getting peace in your life or the peace that you need in your life when you take this you can believe him and connect your heart for, I need more peace. I need whatever it is to be out of there. It's not just physical healing. It does include physical healing because it says he carried our sorrows. And the word sorrow means mental and physical pain or anguish. So it encompasses all of that. It's not just physical. It can be mental. It can be emotional. Whatever it is, he made provision for it. And that's why we remember him. And then it says, yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions, also includes our sins. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace, again, was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. And that encompasses all of our spirit, soul, and body. So we don't want to neglect anything. Even Jesus said when he was at the Last Supper, he says, drink all of it. He said, take all of it. Don't leave, basically, don't leave anything out. Everything that was provided for you. I mean, that's like somebody said, hey, everything in this house, you can have. And it was all made of pure gold. You, would you leave the, the chair of pure gold back behind because you're settling for a coffee table? You know, do you, do you understand that concept? Because everything Jesus provided, he wants us to have. This is a remembrance of everything that he's done through his blood, through his body, is ours. To, be, to reiterate what she was saying, to, to revisit that, just don't take the blood without the body. Take the body and the blood. Take your healing and your salvation. Amen? Praise the Lord. 
So don't make this into that just uh, out of a habit, but purpose the honor in your heart for the thing uh, that we do, the observance that God mandated, not man. We did. Nobody made this up. Jesus set this forth in his as an ordinance that we we take part of. Amen. So. So in doing that, if you look at verse 27, and we can begin to do this whenever we're getting ready to take it, wherever it is that you're doing it here, obviously today, but then at your, at your home too, you guys can look at these scriptures. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, that means you're not, you're not thinking about it, you're not discerning what he did for you, which is what we've been talking about, will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, for you're thinking about, well, Lord, what is it that I need to change? What is it that I need to do differently? Holy Spirit, reveal anything to me if there's something that needs to change in my life, if there's something that I know that, that needs to be different. Let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and, and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. So we're not discerning the benefits that we can have through him. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and that could be physically or that could also be emotionally or mentally, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. It's very important to understand that. If you're born again, he's made you worthy. This isn't just something that says, well, you're not worthy, even though if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he's made you righteous to partake of this. This is just ascribing worth to what he did. Don't take it as this is just another meal as one of the early churches did. They just took it and started making it a, a social event. And it was, it, the value was being lost in it. And so that's what he said. Don't take it, don't lose the value of why you're doing this. This is in remembrance of all that he's done. So you can, you can put that in the forefront of your mind. Amen? I, I think it's time to Receive. Amen. So in verse 24, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken in remembrance for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So Lord, we just thank you for that. We thank you for your body, which has provided things for us. We thank you it's provided healing because of the stripes that were laid on your back. But not just physical healing. Healing from anxiety, healing from any anything that would separate us from you. And we thank you, Lord, for that in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. In verse 25 it says, Amen. And at verse 25 it says, After the same manner he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do you as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So Father, we have this as a representation of your blood. Everything that you've done, we put you and put us ourselves in remembrance of what you've done for us. And we thank you, Lord, for the salvation that was poured out through your blood that's still alive today, ready to accept anyone that confesses you as Lord. And I thank you, Father, that we are, are ascribing the highest value and honor to what you have done, how you've come into this earth and you've died and resurrected. And I thank you, Father, that you have in turn gave, given us the victory. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may partake. Hallelujah. Father, we praise you. 
We praise you. We thank you, Lord, for healing our bodies. We thank you, Lord, for saving our souls, save, saving us, Father. And I just thank you, Lord, that it, it is alive and well in our bodies. We are whole. We have been made whole through the stripes, through the broken body, and yes. we've been made the redeemed through your blood. And we praise you and we yes. thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's a great day to celebrate. Amen. Praise the Lord. And before we turn it back over to Pastor Mary, we just want to say Merry Christmas from the pool household to you. We love every single one of you, and it's a, uh, it is a blessing to be a part of this faith healers family. Praise the Lord. God is good. Amen. Thank you all for coming out this morning to celebrate our risen king. Amen. And the victory that he provides for us. A few announcements. We will not have service tonight or uh, prayer and um, Bible school tomorrow. We want you to enjoy your family, your friends, and take a moment to rejoice in what Jesus has done for us. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Um, also, next week, next Sunday is Vision Sunday. Come ready to get your faith built about the vision for 2023. And Pastor Michelle and Pastor still have uh, a, a few points that uh, we can focus on for that uh, the new year. Amen? Amen. And prayer and fasting, and it starts on January 1st through the 7th. Amen. We'll have more details about that. Let's say the vision of this house. Amen. The vision of this church always be to build people's faith and frame their world by the word of God. And you and I will always be world changers. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Merry Christmas. Thank you for joining us for this message. We would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer request or want to share how this message has helped you, send us an email at main at buildfaith.net. This message and many more materials are available to you free of charge, can be found at buildfaith.net or at any of our location media stores. As always, keep the switch of faith turned on and build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God.